Get ready, Avalanche Territory. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans. Denver Sports is your home for the most Avalanche content. Now here's your host, Mike Evans. Hey everybody, welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Evans for our final Mile High Hockey Podcast of the season. Wow. This is a lot earlier than I thought we would be doing this. Maybe by about a month and a half earlier than I thought we would be doing this. And I thought we'd be finishing it up celebrating another championship. Well, I should I should stop a little bit short of that. I did not think that they'd be good enough to win it all again this year. I did think that they'd be good enough to get back to the Stanley Cup Finals. But, boy, they were not, were they? As they get bounced in the first round against Seattle. So now we're all left wondering what happened and where do they go from here. Let's start with what happened. And if you want to talk about where ultimately this team fell short, it was, I'm going to pin the blame. I'm going to pin the blame on the front office. Because the front office, whether it's a Chris McFarlane-led show or still heavy influence from Joe Sackick, whoever it was or whoever it is just dropped the ball on this team being given the resources to go out and defend their title. And it's not, I'm not somebody who's going to come on here and second-guess the decision not to re-sign Nazem Kadri. I agreed with not re-signing Nazem Kadri during the season last year. I agreed with the decision to move on from Naz after they won the Cup. And I still stand by the decision to move on from Naz. At some point, as popular a player and as impactful a player as Naz Kadri proved to be last year, you do have to think about contracts and how they're going to age and how they're going to fit in with what you're trying to do, especially in a sport. This is in the NFL, by the way, where you can have a bad Russell Wilson contract and know that the NFL salary cap is going to be going up some, you know, $50 million over the next few years. The NHL salary cap is going to go up $1 million, one big whopping million dollars for next season. So you do have to think about how these contracts are going to age. But the reason why I did not have an issue with not bringing back Nazem Kadri was because I was confident that the front office would go out and find a replacement, a shorter term, less money, less financial commitment to uh, to uh, Naz Kadri to be able to give you some of those same Naz Kadri qualities that you're missing. This player, players would sort of replace that, but you still wouldn't be on the hook long-term for a contract like you'd be giving to, to Nass. So the idea was this, and I'm, you know, this, this season, I think back to when we were getting ready for this season to begin, and we were laying out kind of the themes of the season. What we talked about was the idea that, okay, you're not going to have Nass, you're not going to have Andre Burakovsky, you're not going to have Gabe Landeskog at the start of the season. Okay, this is what it sets up to be. It's an opportunity for some of these younger players to be given expanded roles. Let's see what they do with it. And let's see if they run with it. And if they show that they're not doing it, then trust the front office to go out and make the moves to bring in the players to give you that chance to be able to go out and compete and repeat as Stanley Cup champions. And then you add in the Gabe part of it. And I'm sorry, anybody over there who thought that they could count on a Gabe Landeskog return by the playoffs and that they were counting on that 
to the point where they did not make moves around the trade deadline because they were counting on that, quite frankly, that's stupid. That is short-sighted stupidity to think that you could count on Gabe Landeskog having not played since last June and this this injury that was supposed to have him back at a certain date, and then it starts to go beyond that, well beyond that. He's not around the team as much. Come on, you know, you have to know that it is slim at best that he's going to be able to come back. And even if he comes back, what kind of player is he going to be? No, it's your job as a front office. Count on the idea that Gabe isn't going to come back. If he does, what a luxury. But we're not going to count on it. So in the meantime, let's go make some moves to replace him. They never replaced Kadri. They never replaced Gabe. And boy, did it show up in that series. Uh, I mean, look at that series. Look look when it was all said and done. Seven games were played. JT Comfer had one goal. Alex Newhook, no goals. Logan O'Connor, no goals. Lars Eller, their big trade deadline acquisition, no goals. It was just a series that really revealed the avalanche for having, no doubt, stars, a terrific core, but they just didn't have enough depth, certainly nowhere near the depth that they had a year ago. And it's just kind of stunning to me that a front office that just came off a year in which they saw what a loaded hockey team, what a team with depth throughout all four lines, what that can do, how they were so wrong in not what just one year later recognizing hey this is a big weakness for this team we've got to address it they never did take out Val Natuskin as well now now it really becomes crazy and as we're sitting here right now talking we still don't know what's going on with Val what the story is all we know is that he was away from the team for the last five games of the series huge loss huge loss and we still wait to see what this story was all about was this something where Val was was sort of uh, innocent bystander? Hey, listen, you know he's got some issues that really aren't his fault. He had to be away from the hockey team. Okay, I get that. But if this story reveals anything that suggests that Val's decision making uh, speaks to a certain selfishness that the rest of the team had a problem with it. And felt let down, felt mad towards Val. Depending on what this story is and what what it all is when it, it eventually comes out, and you know it will, th- then you got to look at Val in, in a much different way. How much did he hurt this hockey team? How much were they hurt by him? How much were they angry towards him? Did it affect the way they play? Did it affect this series? And what do they do with Val moving forward? You know, these are all questions that because the Avalanche have just been so insistent on not saying anything and not sharing any kind of information, it leads all of us to speculate. And, man, the speculation has been wild. You know, like right, right up until, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, Val is, is is tied in with the Russian mob or the Russian government and he's running some kind of uh, operation over here. I mean, the, the theories that have been tossed out are wild. And the Avalanche have done nothing to quell the speculation. So, but there's no doubt that not having Val on the ice just was another huge blow. Take out Kale McCarr for a game, the suspension. Oh my goodness. I when when the Kale McCarr suspension came down, I was on the air with Stink and I said, 
One thing that drives me bonkers as a hockey fan is this just charade of a NHL player disciplinary board. I, I don't know. I don't know who they are, what they believe in, what they stand for, because their idea of doling out punishment is all over the map, and it is just freaking inconsistent all over the place. Like how you take the Kale McCarr hit on Jared McCann, take it from a major on the ice, downgrade it to a minor, but then after the fact, not only demand a hearing, but then suspend him for a game. Meanwhile, Jordan Eberle hits Andrew Cogliano from behind, breaks his neck, no hearing, no suspension. It, it's And if you're a longtime hockey fan, serious or just a serious hockey fan, this happens all the time with the NHL disciplinary board. They make decisions that just leave you, you know, dumbfounded. You're just like, what? What? How, how do you do this over here? But then this over here, there's no consistency. What about precedence? No, it's just, I don't know. They just seemingly make it up as they go along and it led to Kale McCarr missing a game. And, and that was huge. So you take out McCarr for a game, no Val for five games, uh, a, a team that had no depth whatsoever up front, even defensemen. Boy, the, step forward, Sammy Gerrard, Bo Byram, epic, epic fail in this in this playoff series. Uh, you know, so much expected of you. Maybe you guys aren't the most dominating defensemen. You're not a shut down pair of defensemen, but geez, you, the idea is you're going to make up for it more than make up for it with what you bring uh, with your offensive skill set. And again, nothing. So. Uh, the Avs go out in the first round. Uh, a surprise, but, you know, with everything that happened, maybe not a surprise. By the way, the Kraken turn around and win the game one against their series with Dallas. So, you know, maybe there was something to the idea that, that Seattle was legit. And I think it also, when you look at what happened to the Avs, you have to think, did they make a mistake? And, boy, this is a beautiful, uh, you know, sports talk uh, podcast topic the idea 2020 hindsight did they make a mistake in going after the division the way they did did they go so hard after the division that they wore themselves out or they relaxed uh they they let down and and once they let down they couldn't get their game back up to where it was couldn't flip that proverbial switch so i I never agree with the idea of going hard for the division Uh, you know the idea that hey let's let's avoid minnesota Please, Minnesota. Let's avoid Dallas, and let's get the Kraken. And yay, we get the Kraken. Path of least resistance, right? And what ends up happening? Uh, they lose. And and now who knows? Seattle may even beat, beat Dallas. So it's um, there, there's, there's a lot of questions to be asked now with this Avalanche team, and where do they go from here? Uh, first of all, let me say this. It, it does not tarnish what they did last year. Yeah, there's a part of me. There's a small part of me that looks at what Tampa's done the last few years, being able to win two championships in a row, go to a third Stanley Cup, and yeah, they ran out of gas this year and eventually lost to Toronto, but they had a really good, really good three-year run. And there is part of me that looks at what the Avs did winning the Cup is awesome. It's unbelievable. But I wish they'd kind of extended it a little bit more. 
especially after having watched Tampa do what they did. Uh, there's a little bit of Tampa envy there for me that the Avalanche couldn't have put together a two- to three-year run like that. But it does not, does not take away at all from what the Avalanche did last year. That, that team is special. It's, it's amazing. It was unique. It was a, a great team, special moments. Nothing that happens this year tarnishes that accomplishment at all. So leave that on its own. And now we look at the Avs and where they go from here. And it, it's going to be a different team. You look at some of the free agents and unrestricted free agents. You've got uh, guys like uh, Eric Johnson, JT Comfer, Lars Eller, um, Evan Rodriguez, Andrew Cogliano, Darren Helm. These are guys that are all unrestricted free agents. Matt Nieto, Jack Johnson. Restricted free agents include Dennis Mulligan. Um, Bo Byram is a restricted free agent. Uh, Alex Newhook is a restricted free agent. Look, a lot of these guys aren't going to be back. And quite frankly, they shouldn't be back. And they revealed themselves during these playoffs as as not necessarily being guys that you want to be brought back. Certainly not in the roles that they were asked to perform this year. So you're going to see a much different Avalanche team next year. And there's going to be a lot of work to be done this year, this offseason, putting together a team for next year. Now, look, the good news is that the Avs have a core that's the envy of, of everybody in the NHL. The fact that you can begin by building around Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Kale McCarr, uh, hopefully Val Nachuskin, because when he's right, terrific player. Artori Lekkinen, um, and um, even Alexander Georgiev. I, I, you know, when, when I look at what the uh, happened to the Avs, Georgiev was good. Was he great? No, he wasn't great. Uh, he didn't steal games. He didn't stand on his head throughout the course of the series. But he was, he was solid. I, you know, I have no problem moving forward with Georgiev. Give him another year. Uh, to be comfortable between the pipes as an Av, and I, I, I think he's fine. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think they they need to be on the lookout for a new goalie. But they got a, they got an enviable core, and and they got a good head coach. So there, there's a lot there. Okay, weep not for the Colorado Avalanche. They're they're still going to be there. But this playoff series revealed that they do have a lot of work to do on the roster when it comes to their um, bottom six forwards. Their third and fourth lines, even their second line, uh, you know, because, you know, who knows with Gabe? Uh, you know, there, there were some ominous quotes there from Gabe Landeskog when he did his end-of-the-season press conference that at, le- at least leads to some speculation, some concern about, is he ever going to be right again? Uh, you hope that a full offseason, and, and boy, you think about it, the Avs, think about it, the Avs won the Cup in, in, in late June, you know, parade basically at the started July and just what a couple months later they're right back into it so they're gonna have a longer off season uh not the way you'd like it but if honestly if you're not gonna win the Stanley Cup better to go out this early I'm 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 not one of those that if you win a Stanley Cup it's not like well hey we didn't win the cup but we got to the second round or we got to the third round I don't know with with everything that went down with the avalanche this year all the injuries and stuff all the work that they have to do for next year, I kind of like if you're not going to win at all or if you're not going to get back to the Stanley Cup Finals, go out in the first round because at least then it gives you an extra month and a half for guys to recover, heal, get rejuvenated, 
really have this uh, front office ready to go to tackle free agency, trades, the draft, all that. So there is some some upside. There is a silver lining to the Avalanche going out in the first round. But they got a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do before they drop the puck again next October. They got a lot of work to do on this hockey team uh, with their their third and fourth lines, bottom six forwards, their defense depth. Uh, do they do they trade some of these guys? Do they trade a Sammy Gerrard? Do you uh, bring back an Alex Newhook? Uh, how much of a commitment do you make to a, a JT Confer? There, there's, there's some questions out there, and we'll see what the Avs uh, do with all of that. But not the season that we hoped it would be. Uh, there was a there was definitely a feeling that this team was going to be able to go go further than they did. I certainly thought they did. Believe me, I've heard from a lot of you who are like, "Hey, Evans, what happened to the idea that uh, there was not a team in the West that could beat this team four times?" Uh, well, I'm just telling you right now, I'm concerned. I am concerned that that uh, may not be the case. Um, no, they they got beat fair and square, and the good news is. They've got a core to build around. And you know what? That's a great place to start from because there are plenty of teams that don't have anything near what the Avalanche have to build around. So that's the good news. They got the core. Uh, the bad news is they got a lot of work to do to get back to being a team that we think will uh, be able to contend for a Stanley Cup. Should be a fascinating offseason. Already heard some really uh, wild names out there, some juicy rumors. Some enticing speculation. How about the idea of Sidney Crosby being the center of your second line? Yeah, heard that one. Maybe Pittsburgh's looking to break things up. Could they be ready to move on? I don't know what the Avalanche would be able to give in return, but uh, sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Um, so it, it's going to be a fascinating offseason, a lot of offseason. It's going to be a much longer offseason starting here in uh, May as opposed to, to late June. But I want to thank everybody who's been a part of this Mile High Hockey Podcast, all the great guests throughout the course of the year, um, to Sean Gates, who uh, produces and engineers this and does a, a great job. But most of all, I want to thank all of you, the great Avalanche and hockey fans out there who've been a part of supporting this Mile High Hockey Podcast the last two years. So really enjoy doing it. Look forward to doing it uh, every week, getting a chance to just uh, talk hockey, talk pucks, talk the Avs uh, with you, and certainly looking forward to being back um, next season to do it all over again. So uh, one more time, thank you so much for watching and listening and checking out and telling people about the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Have a great summer.